Welcome to God Mode, Living Life Undefeated. Join us each week as Pastor Chris delivers a message to encourage, challenge, and empower you to live life in God Mode. All messages can be listened to at www.godmode.life. Let's join today's message. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to God Mode. I am so grateful for everyone that listens each week. It's just a, kind of a really big shout out to you. Hey, for all you that are listening in India, thank you so much. And across Europe and here in the United States, thank you so much. I so appreciate it that hopefully that God is doing something in your life. That's what God Mode is all about. Hopefully you're being encouraged, you're being challenged, and you're being empowered to live a life undefeated in God mode. And, and Jesus is that code. And I truly believe that. Again, thank you so much for listening in. Thank you for my brother, Ray. Big shout out to Ray. My, my man, Jay Will, thank you for listening. I hope that God is doing something in your lives. You know, who is ready to hear from God's word? I mean, we're in a part three of a four-part message series called The Good Work. And I pray that this message would be encouraging to you, but we're actually going to start off with some things that could be a little bit difficult. The title of today's message is Standing Strong in the Face of Opposition. Here's what I hope that you'll understand. Anytime that God leads you, he prompts you to do something meaningful, to make a difference, something that's generous, something that benefits someone else something that's lasting. Unfortunately, you can expect some opposition. You can count on obstacles. You can expect on spiritual resistance to come and to try to slow down your work. If you look at the stories in the Bible, Adam and Eve are serving God, and the evil servant comes right to resist them, to distract them from God's will. Moses had Pharaoh, who, has, who was an enemy, right? David had Goliath. Going to the New Testament, Jesus had Herod, the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, Jewish, the devils, the demons, all the haters went on and on. Batman had Joker, right? It was that kind of thing. Nehemiah, the person that we're looking at, he had Sanibelat and Tobiah and others who opposed his work. So today you might be listening for the first time and you don't know the, the backstory. You've missed the previous two weeks. So let me kind of give you the story here. Nehemiah was this ordinary guy who was a cupbearer or a servant to the king of Persia, right? He heard about the plight of his people, maybe a thousand miles away or so, who were in a horrible situation because they had been and their city had been destroyed by the Babylonians. So his heart was breaking for his people, and he realized somebody's got to do something about this, and it might as well be me. He seeks God. He asks favor from God. He approaches the king. May I go back and rebuild the city? It's a fascinating story of a spiritual journey and a heart of leadership of an ordinary guy who believed that God could use him to do something that hadn't been done before. You can read the details in the book of Nehemiah, and I wish we had time to go over them, but we, we want to get into today's message, because he went back and he started rebuilding the gates before rebuilding the walls. 
And you can read about this. And he was leading a group of people to rebuild the sheep gate, the fish gate, the valley gate, the horse gate, the water gate, the dung gate. I'm not making these up. These are in your Bible. You should read them. The water gate and the dung gate. You know, I want to live by the fish gate, not the dung gate. But that's just me. What's crazy is he was inspiring these other ordinary people to come along and do this work. In other words, you know, I'm about, I don't know how to build a gate. And this is the kind of the type of people that he was working with. They were not masonaries. They were not carpenters. He was working with goldsmiths, merchants, and perfume makers. I mean, how you get a perfume maker to build a gate is really beyond me. But what was interesting is that they started making some progress. For the first time, the gates were coming up, and there was progress on the walls. And the people started to think, maybe, just maybe, we can do this. In other words, this thing is going down. What do we know? That whenever the work goes down, the opposition shows up. The moment you tend to start doing something that glorifies God, you can set your calendar to know that spiritual opposition is going to show up. And we see this in chapter 4 of Nehemiah. We'll start in verse 1 as we watch as he has all of this opposition. Scripture says this, When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, I mean, he's a bad guy. He became angry and he was greatly incensed. So what does Sanballat do? He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Now, what you may not understand just from our English translation, the word feeble from the Hebrew text, it actually means like a flower that was chopped off. That's what it means. It means a flower that is now dead. What he is saying, feeble, he's saying they're hopeless, they're lifeless, they have no chance of rebuilding these walls. What are these feeble Jews doing? Then he says, Will they rebuild and restore the wall? Will they ever offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heap of rubbles burned as they are? Then Tobiah the Anamite, I mean, he joins into this berating party. Tobiah, who is at his side, says, What are they building? Even a fox can climb upon it and would break down the walls of stones. What do we see? When the work starts to go down, the opposition shows up. And unfortunately, this is true for some of you. Who knows? Perhaps in the last few weeks, you were moved in the direction of doing something to make a difference. And all of a sudden, you had opposition. It could be as simple as you decide maybe just to go back to church for the first time in a long time. So you're on the way, and then all of a sudden you get in the worst fight ever, right? And you, you're, you cuss all the way to go and back to worship God in the house of God, right? Or maybe it could be that you're trying to get out of debt, and you said, we're going to pay off these bills. And the moment you declare it, your car breaks down, and suddenly you have a $700 repair. It could be that you start serving in the two-year-old's ministry for the first time. I mean, we're finally going to honor God and it happens to be the day where the two-year-old is sick and throws up Fruit Loops all over your lap, and it's just disgusting. Maybe it could be that you want to do something, and you tell somebody close to you, 
This is what I believe that God is calling to me to do. And the first thing they say is, who do you think you are? That's stupid. You don't have what it takes. Why are you trying to do this? And some of you that have, you have love, someone that you love just really shoots down your idea. What I hope you'll understand is this. Don't be surprised when you face opposition. Don't ever be surprised when you take a step of faith and you see your enemy push back because advancement invites opposition. What do we know about our enemy, the devil? He doesn't bother those who are not a threat. If you're walking his way, doing his will, he's going to leave you alone completely. But the moment you step out and try to honor God, flags go up all over hell and demons are released to go and stop you from doing what you know God put in your heart. Expect spiritual opposition when you do the will of God. Satan tries to oppose the work of God. If you don't want any opposition, if you want to have a really easy life, I'll tell you how to do it. What I would recommend is you just coast along. You do your comfortable thing, live a comfy life, create the perfect little environment for your safe life where you can make a little, you can know the perfect, do the perfect selfies, you know, hashtag blessed. I mean, show everybody the life you want them to see. Go to church if you want, but whatever you do, don't engage. Don't you dare pray, don't serve, don't give, don't care about the things of God. You can do some spiritual things enough to make you feel good, but not enough to make a real difference. Because the moment you step out of your comfort zone and seek the God of heaven and try to represent his love and do something significant, the problem is when you step out, The devil tries to step in to stop you from doing the work of God. You don't want any opposition? Just stay out of the game. Live a self-centered life. And you're probably going to be left out of the trouble. Here's what I I hope that you'll understand. God is calling some of you to step up, to serve, to tithe, to pray, to invite, to show love, not just in the church, but as the church in the world. And the moment you do, you will face opposition. You will have critics, critics, and haters, critics, and haters. I always say the loudest boos come from the cheapest seats, but that's just my opinion. Nehemiah steps up, and Sandoblot and Tobiah come and try to tear him down. How do you respond to critics? How do you respond to haters, to the naysayers, and to the doubters? The answer is, most of the time, you don't. Let me be very clear. Most of the time, you don't. Notice what Nehemiah doesn't do. He doesn't respond. He doesn't answer. He doesn't defend. In fact, what I hope you'll understand in your response isn't going to convert your critics. The only thing a response does is it validates the critics. I always say this, when you acknowledge your critics, you actually give them power. They're not really that important if you don't respond. You ignore them, and you keep doing the work of God. How do you respond? You don't. How often do I try to defend myself? A lot of times when things come up, I really try. Almost never. My goal is not to change critics. My goal is to do the will of God. 
We're going to stay above what they say. You know what they say. You know who they are. I don't know. They, them, everybody. I mean, we don't know who they all are, but we know they. You know, somebody sitting in the basement typing away, they and them. We're going to stay above, and we're going to do the will of God. And let me just say, it's not easy when you step out and people start criticizing you. It's never easy to deal with haters, but it's even more difficult to deal from doubt from the people that love you, from those who are closest to you, who sometimes don't believe in what you're called to do. And this is what will happen for some of you. You're going to feel called by God to do something, to take a step of faith. And someone you love, someone that you trust, someone that loves you is going to step in with strong words of discouragement. Who do you think you are? You're not prepared for that. Don't sell yourself short. You should be doing something different. Don't be stupid. What do you think you are, right? What do you think you're doing? Oh, it's hard when the haters hate on you. It's even more difficult when the people closest to you that don't believe in what you're doing and what you're called to do. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to be going to feel called to something. Maybe it's to foster and someone's going to say, you barely handle those kids you've already got. Who are you to do that? Or maybe you're going to small start a small home group. Who? You? You don't even know the book of Leviticus, you know? You can't do that. Whatever it is. I mean, you're too old. You're too young. You're too uneducated. You're too overeducated. You're too this. I wanted to say to somebody, you're too negative. You don't know my God. When you step out, opposition steps in. That's why this is really important in any form of leadership, any form of influence, or any form of ministry. I always try to tell myself, I am not going to be moved by praise or criticism. I'm not going to be moved by praise or criticism. I'm not going to let praise get into my head, and I'm not going to let criticism get into my heart. I'm not going to be moved by what people think. I'm going to be trying to be moved by what God thinks. Here's what Nehemiah knows. He knows that he doesn't answer to his critics. He understands that he answers to God. And so instead of engaging on a lower level, he turns to a higher power. And once again, we see Nehemiah pray. Here's what he prays, and watch this. The power of this prayer, he says, Hear us, our God, for we are despised. In other words, we've got haters, and they're coming on to us. Now watch what he pays. You know, really, I don't think this is what Jesus taught us to pray, but just want you to know, he could have learned from Jesus, but this is before that. This is the kind of prayer I've kind of sometimes been known to pray. Watch what he prays. He says, turn their insults back on their heads. I like that prayer. I'm not telling you that's how to pray, but that's right there, right? So that's what he prayed. He obviously needed some maturing. It hadn't been written to turn the other cheek, right? So right now, sick them, God. Get them, God. He says, turn back their insults on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Don't cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. Send them to hell for the worm never dies. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. They're, they're insulting the people that are doing your work, God. Verse 6, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half of its height. Why? 
for the people worked with all their heart. What did Nehemiah do in the face of opposition? Watch what he did. He prayed to God and he got back to work. He sought the heart of God, then he went back to work. The wall continued to go up. Why? Because the people worked with all their heart. There wasn't room for the critics to get up in their heart because they were doing the work of God. They weren't lowering themselves down to fight those who arguing about petty things because they had a higher calling to do the will of God. They went to God in prayer, and then they got back to doing the work of God. What I love about Nehemiah is you see this over and over and over again. He was both spiritual and practical. He would pray as if everything depended on God, and then he worked as if everything depended on him. I think there are some people who need to be a little less practical and a little more spiritual, and some people who need to be a little bit less of one and a little bit more of the other. We are all spiritual and all practical. We need you, God. You guide our steps, and we show up to work. We need your direction, and yet we roll up our sleeves. We need your power, yet we take out our shovels. We need your grace, and yet we're willing to do what you called us to do. We take a moment to pray, and then we show back up to work. In verse 10, what did we see? Meanwhile, in the middle of all this criticism, the people in Judea said this. These are Nehemiah's people. They said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Last week, we saw progress. This week, we see discouragement. And this is exactly what happens so often when we step into doing what we believe is the will of God. We see a little bit of progress, and then we see a little bit of opposition. Then in verse 11, and this is what the scripture says, also our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them, and we will kill them and put an end to the work. Our enemies, they're going to kill us, and they're going to end our work of God. Then the Jews who lived near them came to us and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack. What do you see? We see Nehemiah's friends, his people, the people of Judah, starting to doubt. They're not just doubting what others are going to do. They're actually doubting their own ability to get the job done. I don't know about you, but at every type of opposition, spiritual opposition, external opposition from haters, opposition from people that love me, the one that's the most difficult is whenever it's internal opposition. It's when my own insecurities raise their ugly head and say, who do you think you are? You don't have what it takes. I don't know who this might speak to, but there's someone here, you're listening more to your inner insecurities than you are to the truth of who God says you are. If I can be this gut level honest with you, the most difficult battle I face is the voice in my head that tells me again and again, you'll never be enough. No matter how hard you try, you're always going to be inadequate. And that voice echoes and haunts my soul at times. You can never get it done. You're never going to be good enough. You'll never, ever measure up. But here's what I've learned. The external opposition will only be as loud as my internal insecurities 
allow them to be. Let me say that again. The external opposition, whatever they say, you know, the they-sayers, will only be as loud as my internal insecurities allow them to be. That's why we rise above it. That's why we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. That's why we don't look to the left or to the right or listen to whatever the lower would say. We keep our hearts higher. And this is exactly what Nehemiah does. Watch in verse 14 as Nehemiah hears the people, they're discouraged, they're giving up, they're giving out, they don't think it can be done. And Nehemiah says, after I look things over again, the leader in him, I mean, he's surveying the land. I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of the enemies. Don't be afraid of Sambalot and Tobiah and the evil voices. Don't be afraid of what they say. Why? Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. What does Nehemiah do? He takes the focus off of himself, and he puts it on God. He takes the focus off of the naysayers, and he puts the focus back on God. And he's saving, he's really saying, this isn't our battle. This battle belongs to the Lord. Our God is with us, our God is for us, and he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We believe that all things are possible with our God. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We know that when we walk in, the power of God walks in with us. My focus is not on what they say. I remember the hand of my God. I remember when I prayed for months and months and months and God granted the king favor and turned his heart to let me go. I remember the king provided both protection and provision. I remember what he blessed me to go out. I remember when God gave me favor with the people. I remember when there was nothing and the walls started going up. I remember that God provided it all, but God made it all possible. He said, remember the Lord your God. Can you imagine him standing before all the nobles and preaching some version of a sermon? Remember the goodness of our God. Remember our ancestors who were in Egyptian bondage and our God split the Red Sea and the people walked out on dry land. And when the enemies pursued, God closed up the sea and washed the enemies away. Do you remember when God led our people with fire by night and fed us with manna from heaven? Do you remember the goodness, the faithfulness of our God? What I'll do in my own life when the voice says, you're not good enough, when I'm about to preach and my faith is not that very high, I'll remember who I was before I trust. I'll remember the brokenness, the guilt, the shame, the sin. But as hard as I try, I couldn't pray. And I remember receiving a little green New Testament in the King James Version, which is really hard to read, but those these and thous. And I remember reading, by grace you are saved through faith, not by works. And I remember praying probably the most inappropriate, non-biblical prayer of salvation ever prayed in the history of the world, because nobody told me how to pray it, but it was from my heart. And I knelt down in my living room, one person, and I stood up different, different. 
And I remember miracles when God healed people that I prayed for and God provided when I had nothing and when God answered my prayers and healed my body. And I remember him bringing me this equally weird Jesus follow who happens to be so cute and brought her into my life. And I remember miracle after miracle after miracle. So when I tell you our God can, it's because I've seen our God do. And if he's done it before, right? He can do it again. If he's done it for me, I know he'll do it for you. Remember the Lord our God, because when it gets tough, tough, I promise you it will. You're going to need to think about something, and I know our God would rather you think about his power than those who hate his will. Remember the Lord our God. The greater the opposition, the greater the opportunity for our God to fight for you. Someone, you got a bad report right now, and you don't think there's any way. Remember, the greater the opposition, the greater the opportunity for our God to fight for you. The worse the report, the better the testimony. And God shows up and shows off. Remember the Lord our God, Nehemiah says in verse 14. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who's great and awesome. Fight people, fight, stand up. What we believe in the goodness of our God. Fight for your families, he says. Your sons, your daughters, your wives, your home. Somebody out there listening, you need to hear that. Remember the Lord your God and continue to fight for your healing. Remember the Lord your God and continually to fight that you'll get out of debt. Remember the Lord your God and still fight for your marriage. Remember the Lord your God and fight for your children to find the freedom in Christ. Keep on fighting for that one child that needs a family. Keep on fighting for the unborn who can't fight for themselves. Keep on fighting for the victims that need healing and grace and hope and treat them with dignity and honor and respect in a way that they may never have had before. Keep fighting for the lost who need to find hope in Christ. Whatever you do, something that is matters there will be a battle. You will face opposition. I tell myself all the time, if I'm not ready to face opposition for my obedience to God, I'm not ready to be used by God. So God, make me ready. God, help me know your calling. God, help me to do what you've called me to do. I don't have to be chosen by people when I'm called by God. Step into his will. Remember the Lord and fight. What do you do when there's something in the world that doesn't sit right with you on behalf of God? You sit down and you cry, you kneel down and you pray, and you stand up to act. Then with God directing your steps, what do you do? You seek God faithfully, you define the vision clearly, you make plans carefully, and you inspire people passionate. And when your enemy shows up to try to slow you down, you remember the Lord your God and you fight for what God called you to fight for. You don't give up. You don't grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Keep on building one stone at a time, one brick at a time, one moment of faithfulness after another, day after day, week after week, by the power of God and the to the grace of his people, you can rebuild that wall. You can be used by God. 
and you won't let the voice or the power of any opposition stop you, slow you, deter you, distract you, because greater is in you that is in the world, step into it. You have the power of Christ. And I believe that. And I believe that today that God would stir in your hearts and move you to step out like never before in the face of any opposition. I believe that God wants you to take this moment and seal it in your heart, this call and this purpose that he has put inside you. Thank you so much today, just joining me. I hope you're encouraged. I'm excited. I'm sitting here just getting excited and pumped up for myself. If, if no one even listens to this message, I'm excited about it because God is doing a good work in me. He's rewriting my story. He's rewriting my headlines so that I can step into the things that God has called me to do, no matter the opposition, no matter the criticism. The only person I'll stand before one day is God himself, and I will stand before him, hopefully saying I did what you called me to do. God bless you. Tune in next week as we look at the final part of this amazing, hopefully amazing series, The Good Works. God bless you. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to today's message. You can hear all of Pastor Chris's messages at www.godmode.life. Join us next week as we continue on in this series. Please leave a review of this podcast at podchaser.com.